0: In The Pocket, a talk show that showcases Mainers who are people of color. Each episode represents a member of the Maine community from art, culture, and business, the earth, wind, and fire of life. Embracing and exploring the black diaspora and descendants of American slavery through conversation is the foundational concept of In The Pocket. The overall mission of In The Pocket is to create conversational space for all people of color that is documented and celebrated through sharing of life experiences. If you like what you're hearing and want to hear it again or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to In the Pocket. I'm your host, Flo Edwards, and our special guest today is Cameron Brewer. He is Space Gallery's communications manager. Um, He's probably many other things as well. Um, I also know that he does spoken word, and he's a comedian. Please, Cameron, introduce yourself.
1: Thank you very much, Flo. Um, Hi, Cameron Brewer, pronouns he his. I am the new communications manager at Space Art Gallery. Uh, I'm very excited to be joining the team. Uh, as well as nice enough to say, I used to be, well, I say used to be because I just don't do it a lot because there's not a lot of venues to do spoken word or stand up these days. But um, I uh, uh slam poetry. I've been doing stand up for like six, six to eight years now. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> and for the most part, I've just kind of like dabbled on a lot of different creative stuff and just sort of find myself kind of doing things um, based on my interests. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I'm also an activist, educator, sexual health educator, um, and just general collector of pots. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something interesting to do, you know, figure out how to like operate myself, but right? no.
0: So the uh, the Collector of Hobbies, did that start in the pandemic or was that always how you've been?
1: Oh, that's always how I've been. I, I have ADHD, like confirmed and treated. And a big part of that is that like, I get very fixated on something very quickly. And then that's the only thing I care about. And I'll just learn all there is to learn about it, whether it's like pain work or um, like very specific philosophy. I was like, this is the most important thing in my life. I got to learn everything about it. And then, like a day later, I'll be bored and I'll like move on to the next thing. But I always try and keep like a little bit of those hobbies with me and move on. So, yeah, I know. Like it's, I can't remember a time where I haven't been like
0: moving from thing to thing, picking up like little tips and tricks along the way nice Um, so I know that venues are limited for you to practice one of your major art forms Um, have you substituted any other art in its place yeah I've
1: actually been trying to instead of performing like looking to write to perform. I've been trying to write the page more, because instead of like, you know, it used to be I would just like write a poem, write a set, and I would be able to just go on stage and just perform it and see how the audience reacted to it, and then change things based on the reaction. But There's not that sort of level of intimacy or that level of like feedback and, unfortunately a lot of other movies right now, so I'm really trying to reorient towards just writing for the page, writing longer-form fiction, writing uh, more collected, more thematic poetry, and honestly, that's where I see myself kind of having a lot more passion these days. Like, I like the idea of going back and maybe doing some slam, doing some spoken word stuff, but I think especially right now, especially with Omicron, sort of like, we're searching through everywhere, It doesn't look like um, a lot of these things are going to be particularly safe to be like going back to anytime soon. So, trying to figure out my new path along with everyone
0: else. Well, it's nice that you have been able to focus your art into basically extending what you've been doing. So you put it on paper now.
1: I mean, yeah, it's I've been mean, it's weird learning how to write funny. (laughs) I think it sounds like it should be easy, but I've been doing stand-up for a while. I'm just like, but then you have to like write something and then you're just like, how is this funny? Just reading it as opposed to like saying it. And it's a completely different mindset. And you also just want to like feel all those same sort of like nervous tendencies. that like typically get like stand-up or like slam, like I don't know if this is funny to everyone or if it's just funny to me. And you don't really get an
2: audience, you know, like, Cat or whoever's around and like listen to your thing. So
0: <laughs> well, it's good to know that you are a cat owner.
1: I am not a cat owner, but I do take people's cats like and just like read poetry out of them every once in a while. Like cats are very good poetry, like cats are very good poetry pals. They will like sit
2: there unbothered or they will just walk away and i will give you every little bit of
0: Inciting to know. <laughs> Good to know. have you done any reading of poetry in front of dogs? I'm just curious.
1: No, dogs dogs don't like poetry. They they like snacks. <laughs> and they're all like it if like, you're yelling at them or like very excited. And poetry can be very intense, especially if we're up, like a dog that's like not into it. Mm.
0: Good to know. So what brought you to Maine, or how did you find the job to get you here? So
1: it's kind of a bunch of different factors, but it's kind of a similar story as a lot. I imagine a lot of folks right now. Um, my partner and I were living in Oklahoma during the time when the pandemic started, and uh, both of us were involved in education and some capacity. And quickly, like, it became clear that, like, those jobs just weren't safe and like there wasn't a lot of uh, resources going towards creating like a safe environment. Um, So over
2: due to like outside concerns and also just like after talking to the
1: that, it's probably a good idea to like leave those positions and then find um, find a place that might be safer to be other than Oklahoma, which at the time had like case numbers that were sky high um luckily we had some friends who were living here who have been inviting us to stay and like just like this for a while
2: and so the other kind of a sense that we wanted to move Maine seemed like a really dope
1: spot we wanted to say sort of like said hey if it's not good in six months we can try somewhere else and so far it's been fantastic so yeah and i honestly didn't really have like a
2: plan or a job when i got out here as well, so i just like wanted to find um, a space that felt
1: comfortable and healing and something that like was really good and replenishing where I felt like the work that I can do would be going towards a broader and better um, building up something broader and better that might already be there, which there's already lots of dope stuff in Maine. So I'm just trying to help out.
0: What's some of the dope stuff in Maine that you you know relate with?
1: I really love I didn't know this about myself until, because until I got here. But I love being next to you and so close to water all the time. Like, turns out, like that's just like the best thing for my own mental health. Is just being able to like look at and be around water. Like I'm like a solid three blocks away from the Saka River in Denver, and so. Literally whenever I'm having a bad day or having like too much uh, too much is going on, I'll just like walk to the river and just hang out, like play my hand drums and just like just be for a little bit. And that's just like the most relaxing thing I can do. And I never I never really had that when I was up because like, like the one lake near me was like thirty like I saw thirty miles away and filled with trash. <laughs> so it's beautiful to see like Actual pristine nature that people care about and try to take care of, while also just being able to like, be next to all this beautiful like water that just just brings a lot of life in my
0: on my own soul. So. I feel like my um, spouse is from Kansas, and she didn't realize how much she loved being by the ocean too. So yeah,
1: no, like it's like. Kansas, Oklahoma, like, North Texas, like, there's just no naturally occurring water places that are just, like, super available. And so when you, for me, like, I've been to the ocean before, I've, like, seen that, but, like, I've never been able to, like, just be next to water all the time, and that's just so cool.
0: Nice. So that's number one on the dope stuff that's happening here. Uh, what, what's another dope thing here? Um, honestly, I think the fact that Maine is going through such a
1: unique change in demographics and change in who, a change of what, its own identity, that's really fascinating for me because as someone who kind of takes a larger view of what's happening socially, politically, culturally, like seeing how
2: folks are... See, a lot of folks are moving
1: here. A lot of folks of color, a lot of queer folks, a lot of folks who are traditionally being um, serviced by a lot of the systems that we like see in power right now are coming here because Maine is a lot more accepting, or the very least has these a lot more space for folks to sort of find their own sense of community, I think. And I'm really excited to see that community sort of build and, like, and really become a tight end. Like, that's the thing that I'm really interested in. It's like one that's made look like in five years, with like a uh, radically different and a radically more diverse population in some of these places like Binnifer or Portland or South Portland. Like, I think that's going to bring a lot of really big change. And being able to like help shape that conversation in like my small wicked space feels like really good important work.
0: And how do you see yourself shaping that conversation?
1: I mean, honestly just I want to listen more than anything else. I want to figure out what people are interested in and what people are really like what What about Maine in particular is super unique and super fun and super great and super just present for them whenever they think about this place. And being able to share that in a way that folks like you and me, folks who might not traditionally see themselves fitting in a place like Maine or fitting in like a place like Portland, for instance, like really having that sort of sense of community there. Like large goal, I would love for there to be just like, a like black enclave in like the middle of like portland somewhere just like a neighborhood of folks who just like come together out of the sense of like intent, kinds of like wanting to build like a cultural center over locust. and i think creating that and voicing that i think will help maybe move in a direction where we sort of see that collectivization of
0: power of folks who are already here doing that work well said thank you um, so you haven't performed in a while, but you had performed for at least a solid eight years. Can you share any fun anecdotes about that? Oh so, yeah, no. I
1: I think everyone who does stand up, like even like a little bit like you when you look back on like where you started to where like you ended up you're just like i was not doing good and that was not okay <laughs> To just like like i was like literally like driving an hour and a half to go to shows for like 15 dollars because i thought it's like me like i wouldn't have my name out there i want to be like sort of like the person like out there and so um like for me like there's so much like Joy. I haven't thinking about that in the past, but I'm just like looking back and just like, I don't have a <laughs> i done. I know that like I'd be like driving like halfway across like part of the state to you know just do something like it. But that's what you do when you're young. You chase stuff that you think you can get. So
0: So you had fun road trips.
1: I have a lot of fun road trips. I yeah, no. Growing up in the Midwest is like road trip central because nobody drives, like, nobody flies, like, if you can, if it's 10 hours away, you can drive it, (laughs) and so, like, that's, that's basically what everyone sort of does, so, like, I, like, road tripped out to Texas, like, like, south of Texas, like, out to Colorado, I, drove out to uh, California once from, like, southern Oklahoma, that was a whole trip, and so, like, I like, and I don't know what it is, but, like, Road tripping and just being able to see like what America is outside of like a few like big cultural hubs that made me like that gives me more hope than anything else that makes me like really like America because just I don't know, it's just being able to
2: see that kind of across the board everyone's just trying to figure it out and one has a clue just it's like oh well maybe we can like all agree
1: on something eventually that we just don't know what we're doing
0: right on yeah you know when you see people and see how everybody lives and not everybody lives like it's a big city so yeah so So you do you see yourself staying in the Biddeford area
1: I like it too um I know that Biddeford's kind of going through a lot of change right now and Property values are like really fluctuating and just sort of skyrocketing because a lot of those people here out of Portland because prices are just jumping across the board. So as long as it's like affordable, as long as I can, I think this is like a good home base. It's about the size of a town I like to be in and it's close enough to Portland that I don't have to feel like I'm like uh, disconnected from like, you know, a lot of other things, so yeah Benniford is I don't know I, I like Benniford I would recommend that like as many people feel comfortable come here because it's got a nice quiet vibe
0: yeah Bitterford's great um they also have a pretty good beer scene do you partake in any craft beer
1: I I used to but like my tummy hurts now <laughs> so like it's hard for me to like do a lot of that because like I end up like, having, like, legit, like, stomach problems the next day, and I'm just like, ugh. But, like, every once in a while I have, like, a couple beers, I'm just like, this is really, really good stuff. So,
0: yeah. Are there any, like, art galleries that you enjoy? Have you attended any since you've been here? I know it was the pandemic, so. Not like, really, I want to go to the it's like the cryptid museum like or like the museum of like uh what is it um
1: oh the cryptozoology museum yeah no you have like all of these sort of like different like random like mythical creatures from like who knows when where um yeah i think mean, that's like one of the most interesting things it's just like a random museum for like mythical creatures in the middle of downtown portland just like we can go ahead and do that like yeah why not so, i
0: i haven't been to that museum i've walked past it and i didn't understand what it was about uh but now i know what it's about um yeah no I, when i was a the very first
1: job i ever wanted when i was a kid was to be a cryptozoologist I told my mom I was going to find the Marvelous Monster no matter what. And she has never let me let that down.
0: <laughs> um, does that tie into your appreciation of Afrofuturism at all? I think so. Like, I've always been kind of
2: a weird sci-fi kid, I think. Like, there's, like, this weird strain of, like,
1: nerddom that I just can't get away from. Like, for instance, like my granddad was a, sorry, I'm getting a call for some reason. Um, my granddad was a uh, massive Trekkie, and like literally would just like, the very first like TV show I remember watching was like Star Trek, like uh, Star Trek The Next Generation with him in, like, his den, like, on, like, sci-fi channel at, like, three in the afternoon. So, like, it's one of
2: those things where sci-fi is just sort of
1: in there. Like, I remember watching Godzilla movies when I was, like, five years old. and just be like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Um, So, yeah, no, I think, like, I've always been interested in exploring, like, sci-fi and science fiction and, like, the different ways, like, those things intersect, Um, especially with, like, uh, identity, especially with, like,
2: African-American
1: identity, because I think there's so much about being Black that just feels like one-to-one post-apocalyptic, like in terms of just like how we sort of had to reorient to just being people outside of like the decimation of culture and ideology and space and some of
2: like sort of
0: I never really thought about that um, our identities being hey. kind of post-apocalyptic, but that actually makes a lot of sense.
1: Think about it like this: a bunch of a bunch of pale strangers came in ships and kidnapped a bunch of people away from their homelands, never to be seen again. Like, sounds like every sci-fi novel ever. Seen. Sounds like every alien abduction story I've ever heard of. So, oh
2: man,
0: that's dope. That's deep.
1: Yeah. So things like that, like sort of get me into the room just like really examining like black deep <laughs> lens of like how we can how we can sort of like imagine a future where we aren't I don't even know how that looks where it's from but imagining new futures instead of just like modifying versions of the past
0: that sounded really deep so imagining modifying a say that again about the future
1: imagining new futures instead of just modifying past
0: and we're doing that you're trying to do that in your writing
1: I to do that in my writing trying to do that in my advocacy trying to do that just by like imagining communication as a tool for changing the world it looks wild, I like communication it's like it's literally like the first form of like real magic. Like I can say a word and you have an immediate image in your head or like you have an idea in your head or something like that. And so for me, communication is like the ultimate tool for creating this sort of new space that we want to be in. Whether that, what that looks like, I don't know. But I don't think that we can do that without really just imagining like, and like, I mean, like really just like sci-fi, like galaxy brain imagining, like, what the future could be for us. Like, what's a future where we don't have to feel sort of like all these burdens or feel um, where there's both like understanding of the past, but like a genuine hope and push to sort of go beyond that in like a way that is reflective of our like, larger need for growth as
0: a culture. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, Do you feel like you've been thinking that way um, for a very long time, or is that like a new development since you've been writing more? It's something that I've had to sort of
1: come into over time. I think that that sort of like basic idea was there for a while, but it wasn't until like the last year of it wasn't until my last year in grad school that I even heard about Afrofuturism. And it was a friend of mine, Caleb. Uh, uh, yeah, friend of mine, Caleb. Shout out, sure Caleb if you decide to listen to us. Uh, he uh, was a fantastic uh, scholar and doctoral student studying Afrofuturism as it relates to like uh, black queer masculinity. And I think it's one of those things that like, once I sort of saw the possibility of just being able to like imagine and create art and create space for like all these things outside of this reality that we are kind of stuck in where it's okay to be like a queer black boy who likes to watch Star Trek and enjoy like all these sort of like weird esoteric nerdy things or it's okay to just feel like angry and passionately about how destructive like. Um, like, extraction, like, the extraction of Africa was, in a way that, like, also allows for people to sort of see themselves in it through, like, an alternative lens. Because sometimes it just takes that sort of, like, little bit of an off-kilter lens of saying, hey, this is, like, if this was, like, a sci-fi, it would be be really terrifying to, like, show people how, like, bad, like, things could be, or how bad things are and how we can make, make them better
0: right on um so with just to talk about space a little bit um are there any um exhibits or programming that's coming up that you're excited about
1: actually yeah so for those who for those of you who have heard this is space's 20th year um so uh, and there's going to be kind of a big series of things happening over that period of time leading up to our august uh the totally, uh, it's leading up to August 2022, where there'll be like uh, kind of a larger celebration. But right now, we're trying to get as much of the archival stuff as we can. So we're hoping to get folks who have been to shows in the past, or folks who really enjoy being in space. They have like promotional material or like things that they've like collected over the years, If they want to send it to us. That would be like, super great because that helps us like sort of build out this collage and look at programming over time. It's like, hey, here's all this great stuff i have done over 20 years.
0: Oh, that's really cool. So that's what I'm yeah, that's what I'm honestly like super excited about. I mean, I guess I didn't realize space has been around so long. It's so weird. Like it's it's
2: also weird to think that things that started in like the early two thousands can be twenty years old
1: now. So <laughs> but yeah, no. So it's, it's been around for twenty years, it's been a bunch of different things to a bunch of I think the goal of the archival project, which we're calling Space Ephemera, the goal of Space Ephemera is to sort of look at all of these things and just say, like, here's what space has been to so many people. Let's celebrate that and then maybe see what we also can do.
0: I kind of feel like you coming into space at this time um sounds kind of like parallel to what you're working on with your philosophy for afrofuturism um it's kind of neat
1: yeah no i mean i, I try to bring that afrofuturist with to kind of everything i do because honestly it's been like the best way of sort of sorting through like what can be a lot of conflicting different ideas like I want to make like cool sci-fi stuff but I'm also very interested in like in like radical black activism I'm also really interested in like performance art and also like what I found is that like that sort of parallel
2: structure creating cool new stuff of imagining like space outside of the norm for folks
1: like is very much just a part of the artistic aesthetic across the board. So I think a lot of folks uh, I, I immediately resonated with like what space is doing. And I know a lot of folks have resonated with it because of not just an Afrofuturist lens, but just like whatever lens. Because I think people like change. People really enjoy change that's purposeful and thought out. And while I kind of come to it from an Afrofuturist lens, I think that everyone kinda of has a similar sort of like Want to find themselves in a space or a community that really fosters that
2: growth.
0: Well said. Thank you so much, Cameron. I really enjoyed of getting course. to know you. Yeah. Um, you. And your, I love how you just articulated philosophy on life that I will now use as a POV myself. So thank you.
2: <laughs> thank you so much. No, yeah,
1: like for sure. Check out. Uh, Natasha Womack's book, Afro-Feturism, like written in 2010, has like, lays out the philosophy better than I could have ever done <laughs> in like, a like conversation, but she's, she's a boss and I really appreciate the work she does.
0: Thank you for that recommendation. So um, we really enjoyed listening to you. ITP people would like to look you up. So what's the plug? How can we reach you?
1: So, you can see my handy work on space and socials and on our website. That's at space, th- at, sorry, i again. That's at space538 on Instagram. And you can also find me kind of across the board, my own personal socials at Cam haha that's C A M E R E W H A H A, because you know, these two that's kind of my socials kind of across the board, you find me mostly on Instagram, I don't post a lot, but I will like typically respond to messages if people want to like, reach out to me for anything, so, but yeah, no, um, that's me, and otherwise, I don't know, throw a bat signal in the air, it might come, I'm not Batman, I'm not going to lie to these people. <laughs>
0: uh, hilarious. If you like what you've heard and want to hear it again, or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show.